Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. Liz Loza, Matt Harmon, a wonderfully mooted, big mooted, Brett Rader, our producer here. We are on Radio Row in Miami. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole, it's actually a whole crew of people it's here. It's fantastic. And there's you a whole crew of people back there. No, I yes. don't know if we need to go through the whole list of. All right. It's taking a lot of people to make this happen. More I than know. usual. Well, we're going to talk fantasy a little bit later. Surprise. It's nah. going to be a minute till we get to that. Um, but we, and we'll spend the second half of the show previewing the big game. But first, the large we contest have to start with some breaking news. I feel a little bit selfish. Because guess what? It's about the Bears. I will say also in Miami, Matt, I don't know if you know this. There's a lot of like paraphernalia, team paraphernalia. And you feel the need to like take a selfie and there's helmets everywhere. And I did see a Bears helmet. And so I immediately was like, well, is this a rekindling or is this a love the one you're with situation? Sure, sure. And then I hung out with Devin Hester. Oh. And then I hung out with Greg Olson. Ah, and I feel like, there, yes. right, there might be a rekindling. I mean, but then I heard this <laughs> news. <laughs> and then you got that push alert. Right. And the news is that Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears starting quarterback. My God, was that a great pick. Say it one more time. Mitch the Bears starting, starting quarterback. quarterback. What? Was hurt the entire season. And huh. he just got surgery. This explains so much. Dot, 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 except it was on his non-throwing ah. shoulder. So, I thought that was going to be, you know, the excuse. Like, oh, it was, his shoulder was all messed up. Of course he couldn't throw. And here we find out it's on his non-throwing shoulder. Now, to be fair, you could say that this is why he wasn't doing a lot of running. Didn't want to expose himself to the same type of contact. I mean, it wasn't his ankle or his knee, bro. Right, but you got to throw that shoulder around if you're sure. going to be... If you're going to be out there taking hits, sliding, sliding around, yeah. getting in the dirt, that shoulder could be problematic. You know what's more problematic to me is that oh, this so gives... So many things are more <laughs> problematic when it comes to Mitchell Trubisky. John Filippo has even more to work with now. Yeah, boy. Yeah, he's got to rehab the non-throwing shoulder and then rehab the throwing shoulder. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is, this really is like... It's it's just a, it's a Loza experience, you know. Like you've got Trubisky, <laughs> Can we hashtag that? you've got Trubisky, you've got your boy John D. Filippo. It's it's a re- you know you could honestly say Mitchell Trubisky has gone from being the number two pick in the draft, you know, a, a high valued asset to an underdog, and no one loves themselves oh, wow. an underdog. Oh, like Liz Loza, Matt Harmon, that was exquisite. <laughs> 
<laughs> Didn't see that one coming. I did not. That might be like the second time you've ever surprised me. I have uh, been prepping that one for all of five minutes before you showed up. Well, it, sh- it, it showed. <laughs> Terrific. So um, that's the news in Chicago. Let's talk about the news in Miami. This will probably not surprise you because anytime we go to a city for something, I end up falling in love with that city. Yeah. Miami is fantastic. Like the vibrancy, the energy, the buzz. The weather. The weather. Also, a lot of Peruvian people here. I am Peruvian. I just smashed some ceviche with some ají amarillo. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. The food here is fantastic. Also, people are speaking to me in Spanish. Like I'm, I'm you know, practicing all that. What's been your experience of Miami so far? I mean, I think the one thing, quote, quick power ranking. One, two, Nashville, Miami. Which one's better to you? Come on. I'm pulling at the heartstrings. Let's go. Think. No, think. Don't think. Answer. I mean, I, like, I, so the old me loved Nashville. The new me loves Miami. All right. I'm into that. 2020 vision. I'm into that. I think I like Nashville better. But I would say the one thing that's very different between that city and the one that we're in now, everything here is a lot more spread out. Like, my sure. hotel is kind of far from uh, Radio Row, where we're on right now, um, but Marlins Park was closer to it, where we did media night. Mm-hmm. You got to see a lot of the city, which has been fun. It's, uh, South it's, Beach? It's beautiful at night, oh, too, God. by the way. Like, great skyline. The city looks well, great lit up. you're on the water. Up. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's been awesome. I, I really enjoyed it here so So you far. mentioned media night at Marlins Park. How? What was your experience? What, what were the players for you? Okay, how about we say this? What was the player that you were most excited to talk to and then the player that most surprised you that you spoke to? Yeah, I think the player I was most excited to talk to is, um, you know, we talked about this too a little bit just off the air. It was uh, Richard Sherman for me just because he's like such an iconic NFL figure. Like I think he is part of the fabric of the league and has been such a central figure for you know, now two iterations, like the the early Seahawks to where we are now with the 49ers. But I'd say a player that really surprised me was Raheem Mostert. And I, I mean, he's in the news right now because he's coming off a big NFC championship game. But it was fun to listen to him just engage with the media, uh, you know, on his riser. Uh, I thought it interesting. Talk, he went he was going ahead and like listing which cities that he liked the most. And then obviously went, oh, San Francisco, because he's played for so many teams. I asked him. Which city has the best food? Good and he question. said he said New York. Oh. Mm. Which I thought was whatever. But, you know, I mean, he's played for a lot of different teams. And, you know, New York does stand out as, a, you know, the pizza place. It's, it's great. That type uh, of stuff. The so. Chicago and we got a whole pizza situation. Oh, well, yeah, that's an entirely, entirely different situation. Well, you open the can of worms, friend. Um, <laughs> I will say, so I spoke to Travis Kelsey, which was... It was great. I mean, he was willing to play along. He looked right into your eyes. He was very engaging. I totally understood that it factor that people Mm -hmm. talk about. Um, I understood why he would be a leader in the offense. Um, Also really appreciated his just his openness and his appreciation for being there. Asked him if his brother, Jason, who had just been at the Super Bowl, obviously two years prior, gave him any advice. And he said that his brother was enjoying being, was enjoying his new baby. And so he kind of didn't want his brother's experience to cloud his own. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, he'd talk to him a little bit later, more one-on-one. So I mm-hmm. thought that was interesting. I think the player that most, oh, I had two that most surprised me. Um, Kyle Juszczyk yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, he was cool. You know. Um, it was also great because he was one of the players on the riser, but by the far, podium, yeah. yeah, by far had like the least 
crowd around him so you could really get right up there with him you know ask him about the fullback position and right. like because it's very he's in a very unique role he's a very unique player well and we've talked even on this podcast how the Shanahan system utilizes the fullback at a much higher rate than most other offenses I because he went to Harvard made a joke that I threw a little bit of ivy shade saying that <laughs> I went to a place called James Devlin U. if you don't know what that means then um That's get on, on the you. google and figure it yep. out um yep. Tevin Coleman, oh, he yes. didn't talk to me. He was a player I didn't talk to. He uh, uh, felt the need to just pass well, on Well, plug, plug your video and kind of explain why that happened. So as part of the media night experience, our, our Kendall Freer, who is one of our social leads, uh, came up with this idea to do a Florida man, mm-hmm. test the Florida man knowledge of the players since we're here in Miami, with two headlines, one real, one fake, and then have various players determine which one was real and which one was fake. And we were having a lot of fun with it. Tevin Coleman, however, wanted <laughs> no part of it. Uh, I did the whole spiel and he just said, I'm good and walked away. And then I almost said, but how about that shoulder? Didn't do it, though. Yeah, well, Didn't do it in know. the moment. But it was it made for a really funny ending to the video. So people should go check Thank that you. out uh, on our Twitter page. The Yahoo Sports Twitter handle and Instagram handles for that. Um, lastly, I just have to say, uh, I spoke to Katie Sowers. Yeah. And that was she did not have a podium, which surprised me, but there they created a makeshift podium, obviously uh, assistant coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, incredible to see her at the Super Bowl. You know, I am good friends with Jen Welter, mm-hmm. who was the first female to coach in the NFL. You've worked with her as well yep. on rookie orientation. But watching these this throng of people just surround Katie and she, I mean, she had more people than Kyle Juszczyk yeah, surrounding yeah, her. Yeah. And I, you know, a lot of people were asking the same question. What does it feel like to be the first woman? And she gave very cogent, engaging answers every time. She talked a lot about finding your why, knowing your value. I asked her about Scott Pioli, who she credits uh, to helping her in her career and mentoring her quite a bit. She was um, Scott Pioli's daughter's fifth grade teacher. He recognized her and kind of mentored her through the NFL process. And Scott Pioli, I should also mention, is going to be a guest on the Yahoo Sports NFL pregame show. Boom, plug. Check that out. Check that box. Download the Yahoo Sports app. You can watch the game live, but you can also watch the pregame live. And Scott will be joining us for that. But back to Katie, I just, I asked her about her relationship with Scott Pioli and she said she just wanted to thank him. And then I admittedly got really choked up because it was like one of those I'm getting choked up a little bit now like it was one of those moments where you're sitting in it thinking like this is real life I can't believe we're here and I can't believe you're here and I was like thank you (laughs) that got cut from the piece because nobody wants to see my mascara run I guess well but still it's it's a great moment like it's just one of those things too like you get to kind of feel like you're you're, the story is the players the story is the game and everything leading up to it but you get to feel like a, a kind of small cast member in it and you know you get to that's the cool part about this and not not just talking to the the players that are and the teams and the coaches that are in the Super Bowl but just everybody I think that comes through the stage and, and comes through the, you get to kind of just tap into the whole experience really oh, the cool. energy is insane I mean watching the Kansas City Chiefs come out I said this will never get old I hope yeah. it never gets yeah. old because yeah. I have chills every single time and you never want to become one of those like cynical like oh, great this cynicism is easy yeah exactly it's much cooler to kind of be in all of the moment. I say that, however, you know, Matt, entering the 2019 regular season, we were both pretty cynical about the 49ers backfield. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mentioned Tevin Coleman. Kind of. I, I, Matt Burita, who I actually talked to on media night as well from, from Florida. 
uh, we had thoughts about him. And here it is, one of the biggest stories of the postseason, one of the best underdogs, um, Colonel Mostert, yep. if you will, establishing him, uh, establishing himself with multi-touchdown game two weeks ago. Um, obviously, that's going to, because you remember the last thing you saw, yeah. elevate his running back stock from a fantasy perspective. But do you think that that's warranted and now that Coleman's been, because at various points throughout the season, you saw these guys change hands, yeah. though none of them outside of Mostert, you know, recently, I guess Coleman as well, received, like, I guess what I'm saying is Burita never really saw more than 12 touches, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, Mostert had more than 15 carries one time all year. So, I right. mean, yeah, there was, a, there was a, a stretch where Coleman was, like, in terms of touches and snaps and stuff was to lead back. But, and that's kind of like, we could say that we were cynical about this backfield. Kind of, but at the same time, well, it like, was a segue, Matt. So yeah, sure. I started to, I started to, but a lot of people are like, that. It's like, well, this backfield has no clarity, like avoid it. Well, right. no, you can't do that because you have to try because this is one of the best back. It's like the Patriots, like this backfield consistently produces production. I mean, like it's on, it's on the paper here. Like, Colonel Mustard is is the guy now. At different points, Tevin Coleman was productive. I mean, Brita, this is why he was a lottery ticket, because the backfield produces fantasy points. And, like, man, it might not be one of these three guys next year. It might be somebody else they draft. It might be some other random free agent pickup. Like, hey, maybe Jeff Wilson becomes that goal line guy again. But bottom line, there will be production in this backfield. So you got to – you cannot just – the answer can never be – it's too hard to solve. Like you well, have to try. I do think you can eschew this backfield knowing that maybe, depending on your league, of course, that whoever does draft him, if they're not seeing immediate production because of the carousel or the platoon, then that would be a waiver wire target yeah. a month into the season. Well, if you think about it. I like, mean, it's a gamble too. But. Right, exactly. But Coleman was a guy that, like I drafted a decent amount of Tevin Coleman. He got hurt like right away. Then he was a guy that then like a month or two later becomes a hot waiver wire pickup. Right. Exactly. So maybe you can say in your drafts, go for the cheaper assets. Like Brita was a great draft pick because he was cheap. Like Mostert was not even a person in our vision at that point. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you can certainly in 2020, like maybe take some shots at those cheaper guys. Cause I doubt that we're going to have like, one established player. Also, by the way, like we've gone this whole conversation without mentioning Jarek McKinnon, who people were also drafting despite all that negativity. So you got to try. And lean into the value. I think we'll have obviously more conversation about this as the summer unfolds into the fall. But I want to talk about presently the Chiefs backfield. Yeah. Damian Williams, finally a thing or is it time? I mean, this one I have to let you answer as the uh, face melting gif poster Darwin Thompson truther. It, the floor is yours, my friend. Let it rip. No. <laughs> <laughs> Pass. No, but seriously, I mean, Damian Williams is establishing himself right now. Like, he's been the clear feature back in the playoffs, but who knows if that's going to be the case. I mean, it might well be the case in 2020, but I know uh, our own Andy Barons, like, we were forced to... Uh, I said forced. Ooh, we Chewy, were, he said forced. I said he forced. Said I'm forced. so sorry, but not. we were required work-wise uh because we were asked and motivated to we had to rank our top 10 uh at each position uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about this in the last podcast and i think for the running backs i think at number 10 andy put number 10 whoever, whoever kansas, kansas city, city drafts yeah. so i think that's something that we will have on the radar like you know even if it's a second third round pick um if it's a fourth round pick like people will be this is another backfield like it breeds production so it's another one that 
maybe Damian Williams is expensive next year, but you go for that cheaper rookie, or that's why you drafted a Darwin Thompson if you're a and you know it's a stash option, option, right? Also, a little bit of telling, a little little nugget from media night. Now, telling but not surprising. Let me preface it by that by saying that uh, Lashawn McCoy did not have a podium no, which, to himself. He was on be... the floor with everybody else talking about Florida, man. But you, yeah, you you talked to him, right? I did, I did. But he was actually the first player I talked to. But I did think that was interesting, especially when we're breaking down this backfield. I mean, there's I mean, he's been completely uninvolved in, yes. the, in the postseason, which. You know, maybe he ends up getting his ring, which would be great for him. But it's got to be pretty surprising for him that this is a guy who's finally in a Super Bowl. And then, you know, he's not the, he's not one of the stars, the stars of the show. Because right. we've been doing all these, like, decade look-back pieces. And it's it's easy to forget that, you know, he was kind of right up there behind Adrian Peterson as one of the best backs of the last decade. I want to move to receivers. That, obviously, I saw you tweeted that you charted your first receiver for reception perception. So before you maybe tease us with that, let's talk about two soon-to-be sophomore receivers that are playing in Sunday's game. I want to start with Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. someone we both liked yep. uh, coming out of heading into the draft and coming out of it because of landing spot. Um, he did have a spot on the podium. And then I also want to talk about McCole Hardman. Was Debo on the podium? I, I, thought, th- I was. thought he was roaming around because Manny Sanders was on the podium. I thought D- Debo had a spot. Maybe he got the fan podium at a certain yeah, day. It was yeah, like yeah, a fan yeah, yeah, podium yeah, situation. Was on the fan podium. So, um, with Dan Helley. Yes. Um, Shout out to my guy, Dan Helley. So Debo... This is a pretty awesome ascent. I mean, there is a an argument in which he is the number one receiver heading into when you think about Sanders' age, et cetera, yeah. um, heading into 2020. I think the only problem, like, becomes with this type of receiver is that there's not really a path for him to be, like, the top target on his team. I can't remember if, where it was, you know, that someone asked, like, do you think he'll be a top 24? You mean volume-wise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, like... Yeah, from a pure bottom line targets perspective, perspective, because you will always have George Kittle there. George Kittle, by the way, apparently been playing with a torn labrum since 2018. I didn't mess the year up. 2018, guy's been playing with a messed up shoulder for two years. Played with a broken bone in his ankle. I mean. (laughs) This season. Holy hell. Right. What a guy. Instead. He had a podium. (laughs) He had all the podiums. Yeah, he had a podium. But uh, Debo Samuel, like, obviously he'll always be behind George Kittle in terms of just raw targets. And you could say the same thing like, okay, that's where Tyree Kill is in, but they have Patrick Mahomes. And I like Jimmy Garoppolo, and I like the passing game for San Francisco, but it is certainly not a Kansas City-level high-octane one. So I think Debo has a shot to be, you know, a top 35 receiver, but I wouldn't say he's, like, top 24 level, Uh, especially if Sanders is back there. Like, they have such a great setup right now because Sanders is that pristine route runner and Debo is that physical beast. Like, they just – that's what the fun thing about the 49ers is they just kick your ass at, like, all levels. But under – so I I agree with you in terms of volume, but I do think that what Debo does from a rushing perspective in a Shanahan offense makes him more intriguing. And you have to imagine that in his second season, if he takes a leap and he better – I mean, and Shanahan is – no, when he was in Atlanta, right, like part of the knock against Matt Ryan understanding and and producing in Shanahan's first year was the complexity of Shanahan's system. So if Debo is able to – pick that up and have more familiarity. I'm not sure that he can't break the top 25. I mean, I'm not going to put him well inside the top 25, but he can flirt with that 28 to 30 range, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of it does come down to, like, whether Sanders is back. Because if Sanders is elsewhere, he would be, like, the clear in terms of wide receiver only. He'd be the clear top guy there. McCole Hardman. Yeah, really interesting name. 
for next year. A guy who was fifth in team targets, you talk about volume, but tied Tyreek Hill for the most scores among the receiving core. You, maybe Sammy, I mean, Sammy Watkins had a podium on Monday yeah, night. That was, oh, uh, okay. Sammy Watkins, maybe um, he restructures his deal, right? Demarcus Robinson probably takes a bit of a discount. I do think there's a world in which McCole Hardman, who has had a relatively quiet postseason up until this point, which I think is good for fantasy moving mm-hmm. forward because if his stock continues to be depressed. He goes out there then, and has big Super Bowl. We're going to be in a uh, That's right. Like, I'd game. like to have, have him be much more of an under-the-radar player. I mean, he's not going to be under the radar. That hope isn't real. But I think maybe his stock will be depressed enough that you can get like a cheap Will Fuller who stays on the field out of him. Sure. And he started to play a little bit ahead of Demarcus Robinson in the AFC championship game, which I think was crucial, crucial because I mean, man, that is just when you get him and Tyree kill on the field together, that's a lot of speed. We know that. And I think Hardman showed a little bit more route running acumen than he got credit for in at Georgia. I think there's so much potential there. He's also still pretty new to playing the wide receiver position. He was, he was a defensive back not long ago. Mm-hmm. So he's still, I think he is one of the great like lottery tickets, like you said, of 2020. And if Tyreek Hill misses any time, obviously, then we know. Yeah, we know he, this guy can make big plays. Really quickly, quick game for fantasy. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Hollywood Brown, Terry McLaurin, and all soon-to-be sophomore receivers. Where do you rank Samuel and Hardman among this group? Are they still behind these top one, two, three, four players? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, too. And just off the top of my head, I think I'd go Brown, Metcalf, AJ AJ Brown, Brown. DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. Yep, yep, do it. Hollywood Brown, Debo, and then Nicole Hardman in that order. But, I mean... The Hollywood Brown one is really interesting. Um, I was asked somewhere here uh, on media. Uh, he was here on media night. He was here on media night, but somewhere on Radio Row, I was, I was doing a hit somewhere, and I think it might have been the Roto World podcast, and they asked me about, um, you know, Hollywood Brown. Like, who's a guy that you're really excited to chart this offseason? And I said Hollywood Brown is one because I think he has another one that we know has that explosive potential. And I still think it's incredible that Lamar Jackson had the passing season that he had efficiency-wise and, like, Brown wasn't popping for 16 games. And that's always a question. Will he be healthy? But at the same time, like, if he ever is, I still think there's a world of potential there. Limitless potential. Some some would say that. (laughs) Can you tell us really quickly who you did chart? Uh, OBJ. Interesting. And I've got takes. Can you tease us a little take? I can. I mean, look, I'll give it. I'm not even going to tease it. I'll just give it to you away for free. Well, I think probably don't because we'll probably want to do some content around that more. So just give us a nug so it's not repetitive. Not not healthy. I mean, does you not, did not believe he was healthy did, last year? And I mean, that's the reality, right? And I talked I to, well, I talked to um, someone that worked with the Browns uh, this year. Uh, talked to them on media night, and they were very um, insistent that not only was Beckham not healthy all year, Jarvis Landry apparently also, which by the way goes out and has a, like a workman level season, also wasn't healthy all year. And it's just a reminder that we don't know, like. It's, it's one of those, you could be watching a guy on film, like charting him for reception perception. And like, if you don't know that there's an injury there, they might look totally different. And I think that was the case for Beckham. Like some games, like the Seattle game, I think if you go back and watch that one, very impressive in that one. But overall, like the speed is there, but the quick change of direction stuff, which I think is pretty well affected by a groin injury, is definitely not there. So interesting uh, if he can get right in 2020, but we'll see. Right now, though, we have a big game on Sunday, Super Bowl 54. So let's talk about it. Um, 
What are you what are you looking forward to seeing most? Well, I really want to see obviously one of the key matchups in this game, like strength on strength, and a lot of people are talking about it. It's the fact that the Chiefs are probably one of the best deep deep passing offenses right now. I mean, they've got Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill. We just went over that. And the 49ers have been the best defense in the league at limiting deep throws. So I want to see that. But also, like, one thing I think, like, you can say that, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done much this postseason, yada, yada. But I think it's mostly been a product of the fact they just haven't had, had to, to have him do much. Yeah. Like, they well, ran... Well, the, the Packers game was complete evidence for that. Yeah, like, and the crazy part is, too, Liz, like, they're running out all these defensive backs on the field, all the Green Bay Packers. And, like, they looked like they were more scared of that play-action passing mm-hmm. game than they were scared of the rushing attack. And they never changed it up. And I think, like, that's the funny thing about, like, I think good coaches will just sit there and say like Kyle Shanahan's like, okay, you're going to keep giving me my right hook. You're never going to make me go to my left hook. Like I'm just going to smack you with the right hand all day. And like, that's what happened. And they never like a dumb coach would probably like try to take a shot on third down, throw a pick, whatever. But the the 49ers just never did that. They never had to. Well, they have an identity and they leaned into it. Yeah. But I think they have a multifaceted identity. Like that's the thing. Like they can run the ball, but also like conceptually, like they're not an old school, like, pounded up the middle running game they're a very diverse rushing attack like not the ravens level diverse because they have lamar jackson but in terms of like schemes and conceptions they throw so much at you i think these are the two offenses like everybody's the two best player calls in the nfl and i agree i've said it probably a hundred times too but these two offenses i think make you think the most like from a defensive perspective like throw more at you than anyone else in the league. so there's more of a chess match yeah is what you're saying I, I think that San Francisco 49, I agree that obviously their run their run game and is more inventive, but I do think the identity of the 49ers is a ground-based identity. Yes, and I mean, they build the passing game off a- of that. Around it, with yes. With the play action and everything like that, but just how much they throw like i would say their identity is just again making you think like giving like i think the ravens the chiefs and the 49ers are the three best and the rams previously but not as much anymore they throw more at you in terms of like motion nobody's put players in motion more than kyle shanahan since he's arrived with the 49ers and that's what they make you do is they just give you so much to think about pre-snap that you you're already behind them by the time they snap the ball i am very interested to see what Chris Jones and Frank Clark do in this matchup. I think that's going to be key. I think, you know, there were some health issues with those players and with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense all together. And I I think it was it's an underrated unit. Sure. Um, Chris Jones, I believe, um, will be a free agent after this year. So so there's a lot there. The D Ford revenge situation. is, is. So I think there's a lot more on defense than people are discussing. Everyone knows that, you know, the, the 49ers D-line and Nick Bosa being a rookie and, and the name that he comes with, the prince that was promised. Everyone focuses on <laughs> that. A lot of rookie orientation callbacks for a podcast that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but I think that people aren't focusing enough on the Chiefs defense. Yeah, I, And all I that agree. can be done there. Well, I think that they're another team, too, that they've got a pretty defined weak area and I'm not, it's not the rush defense. I think it's the middle of the field. That's where you want to eat them up. Like, if you're going to throw the ball, you want to throw it over the middle because their outside corners have been very good. The pass rush, like you mentioned, has been really good. And I think that's a reason why I like the 49ers passing game in this, in this contest because they gave up a lot of receptions to tight ends. There wasn't a ton of, like, 
big plays. They've got the honey badger back there, whatever. But like, I think George Kittle's in for such a big contest because they can just hammer this team over the middle of the field. And I think you're going to want to get the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands quickly That's because possible. he's not like people could like want to call him a game manager, but he's really not a game manager because he makes a, a lot of mistakes, like not just turnovers either, but sacks, stuff like that. And I think getting the ball out over the middle quickly would, you know, kind of lessen that. Make it more fluid. Um, who? Give me a, a score for this game. I have been saying 34-30 all week, so I'll say 34-30, 49ers. I, I said 33-30. Mm, so I yeah. think we're about the same. We are, we're taking the over on it. Yeah. I believe, well, the over-under is at 54 yeah. last time I checked, so I think we're both taking the over on that. Yeah, and that, like I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a close game, and so does Vegas. Interesting report. So right now, Vegas is—the Chiefs are giving one and a half, so they're the slim Slight margin favorite. favorites. But I did read a report that, you know, who knows how substantiated this is, um, that an anonymous source said that NFL executives league-wide felt the Chiefs were going to blow out the 49ers, which is interesting because Vegas does not agree. Yeah. So I think that... Interesting. You know. Well, look... Who's I, your, who's your, who are you taking, ultimately? 49ers. Not just the points, but the win? Yep, for the win. Okay. Uh, and George Kittle's my MVP pick. For the reasons I just mentioned. Mm, I'm going Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Wow. Hey. Oh, what? Really? I don't know. In there, Liz Loza. No. Well, <laughs> listen, you don't, sometimes you don't have to get too clever. Yeah, that's true. And look, I mean, I don't feel comfortable uh, not being on the side of QB Jesus. So it's not easy. It's not <laughs> no, easy. no. Our jobs are very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, if there's one thing this week has taught me, it is that this job is, is just, the best. It's, it's thankless and it's hard and oh, it's God. difficult and like people, please feel sorry for us. On that note, <laughs> um, all right. Any last predictions for the game? Thing you're like, you know what? I'm uh, gonna say it. No one said it. The damn halftime show. I am look looking forward you wrote to about this. I for did write about the it. The website. I did for sports.yahoo.com. The. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> you know we got vanity URLs for a reason. I don't think we have those. Not we very trip. much do. We do. You can also go to yahoosports.com slash fantasy football podcast. Go to directly to this to this podcast. Now that you've been done listening to it, do that. I'm I'm very much looking forward to the halftime show. Why are you looking forward to the halftime show? Well, not for nothing. For the first time in Super Bowl history, two Latinos, J Lo and um, Shakira, will be headlining the event. We are in the city that Gloria Stefan is very tied to, and she has performed in two Super Bowls. In fact, she was the first person of Latino origin to ever perform at a Super Bowl halftime show. This is the first halftime show that Rock Nation and Jay-Z have been a part of since the partnership with the NFL that uh, you know happened in August. So I think there are some some changes afoot, and I'm I'm excited to see them in place. And I think I mean being I'd never been to Miami before, so like being on the ground in Miami, I completely understand those two women opening the show. And I have my hope. So um, apparently, Jay Z asked this is per Gloria Stefan asked Mrs. Stefan to uh, uh, perform, and she said, "No, I've done that before. It's too much work. I'm not doing it again." But I <laughs> I'm keeping my fingers crossed for a cameo. Well, we will just have to watch and find out. I love it. I'm very excited as well. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll end on that note. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Apparently, we got some sort of vanity URL that I should have been plugging throughout the entire season. YahooSports.com. Slash Fantasy Podcast. Fantasy Football Podcast. 
Like Brett said. Boom. You can follow me on Twitter at LizLoza underscore FF. Matt is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We are out. Happy Super Bowl 54. Yeah.